You're listening to Way J, Grand Junction's OG Waylon Jordan, with on-demand content from Town Square Media's 99.9 KEKB in Grand Junction, Colorado. Well, here it is, a brand new year, and that means new events, exciting events in the skies above us. Doing on-demand content, a special guest today, Jeff Dersham. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I am doing great. Coming back again. You joined us last year. That was an excellent podcast, and we're going to talk about what we're going to see in the skies here, well, nationwide, but specifically in Colorado. Now, Jeff, if I can go back over your resume a little bit. You're from Grand Junction. Uh, you went to college on a NASA scholarship. Is that correct? Uh, the Last two years, just about the NASA scholarship, just about paid for my last two years at Mesa CMU. So, yeah, and I worked on a, a rocket project there while I was at Mesa. I could I could tell you some stories about the, the rocket project. We could probably do a whole nother podcast just okay. on on stories. They probably wouldn't be funny to anybody except a nerd like me, but... <laughs> When you say rocket, though, you're referring to the equipment within the nose cone? Is Yeah, we, our part of the rocket project was the power subsystem and then uh, what's called the squib circuit. And again, the, the squibs are explosive bolts on the nose cone of the rocket. And when it gets to a certain altitude, you send a signal to the rocket and power goes through, a current goes through the, the squib circuit and it blows those bolts and the nose cone comes off the rocket so that the instruments can take their data. And in the meantime, you're an instructor and an author. Your book, Planets mm-hmm. to Pulsars, The Citizen's Guide to the Universe, a book I strongly encourage everyone to pick up. Very highly rated book. I think you'll enjoy it. You're an instructor. Are you at Western Colorado Community College? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. they're calling it CMU Tech now. Oh, so changes every, but yes, basically Western Colorado uh, Community College, the community education center and catalogs should be coming out uh, here probably in the in the next few weeks. And I'm offering both of my classes this semester. The first one that's based uh, more closely on the book starts, I believe it's either the second or third uh, Tuesday of February. And then the hobby class for people who are wanting to buy a telescope and and uh, pursue astronomy as a hobby uh, starts the first Tuesday in April. So you can either, you can go down to the CMU Tech offices off of Blickman Avenue. You can call them at 255-2800 or you can go to coloradomesa.edu backslash CEC to sign up for the classes and I'd, I'd love to have Anybody who's interested in astronomy, show up. Very good. So on that note, here we are, rolling into 2024. 
What's going to be happening? What can we look forward to over the next 12 months? Uh, We've got a couple of lunar eclipses occurring. Uh, The first one is a total lunar eclipse that takes place on March 25th. Uh, The second one is just a partial lunar eclipse. So just a part of the Earth's shadow uh, will cover uh, cover the moon, excuse me. And but the the significant thing about the one on September 18th is that it also coincides with what's called a supermoon, uh, which is a full moon uh, that occurs when the moon is at its closest point to Earth. Uh, in its orbit. I don't know exactly how much difference that makes as far as how big the moon appears uh, from Earth. Probably not that much. Uh, And that thing that people observe uh, when the moon is is on the horizon where it seems to be closer uh, from what I understand and it makes sense to me is kind of an optical illusion because we're we're judging the size of the moon uh, next to trees and buildings and and other things that we kind of have an idea how big they are and that's what makes the moon appear bigger when it's on the horizon than when it's higher uh in the sky so we've got that we've this will be the the last year uh, for probably about a year or so that you will have the opportunity to see Saturn's rings uh, through an amateur telescope uh, because the tilt of the rings varies. Every 14 to 15 years, uh, the rings of Saturn turn edge-on as seen from Earth and this is the last year before they will be uh, pretty much edge-on as viewed from Earth. So if you want to see the rings of Saturn, uh, you, you better get out and do it now. Uh, it will be, Saturn will be at opposition uh, in September, and again, opposition is just uh, astronomer talk for Saturn, in this case, and the Sun, will be op- in uh, opposite directions as as seen from Earth's sky, which is significant because it means that uh, Saturn will be closest to the Earth, that it will be in this given orbit, and also it will be visible all evening. Uh, so Saturn will rise as the sun sets, and it will set, as the sun rises, so if you want to, you can look at Saturn uh, all night long. The big thing uh, that's going on this year is the total solar eclipse occurring April 8th. Uh, it will start, the, the total phase will start in the Gulf of Mexico and go up through Uh, pretty much the middle of Texas and into Oklahoma, and then kind of curve a little bit, but pretty much go diagonally up to even Pennsylvania and Maine. 
So if you have a chance, I would strongly recommend that you you go see that uh, because these types of things don't happen very often. Uh, I don't know how many people uh, are aware, I would imagine not many, of exactly how lucky we have been uh, in the United States just in the last decade or so uh, as far as opportunities to view what are otherwise uh, really rare uh, events, uh, celestial events. Generally speaking, if you don't travel, you know, about a thousand miles, give or take, from where you live or where you were born, uh, you're lucky to see one total solar eclipse, one annular solar eclipse, and I have now seen two annular eclipses, one total solar eclipse, two Mercury transits, and one Venus transit, all without having to go more than probably 600 miles uh, from here in Grand Junction. So take advantage of it while you can. This will be the last total solar eclipse visible from the United States for a while. The good thing about the next one is that if you are still here in Grand Junction, you won't have to go anywhere to view that one because the path of totality uh, will come straight through Grand Junction. And so, may I ask you a date on that? Do you have a projected date? Uh, it's 20, the year is 2043, oh. if I remember correctly, and I forget what month uh, that that. Uh, occurs in uh, this one in April, we will see about 50%, give or take, uh, coverage of the sun from Grand Junction. So that's not bad. That's more than I was kind of expecting. But uh, if I know you, you're going to be getting in a car with one of your buddies and you're heading to Texas. Uh, Am I correct? Well, maybe not. We'll see. Maybe not for this one since I've already seen the one that occurred in 2017 in, in Oregon. Uh, I may just set up my telescope with a solar filter in the backyard or or somewhere and just see what I can see from here. But maybe, maybe I'll go look at it in Texas or somewhere. So with that, I have two questions for you. First mm -hmm. question, we're going to backtrack to Saturn real quick. You mm -hmm. mentioned amateur telescope. So for those of us with an interest, would a, talking about Saturn again, would an, just an amateur store-bought telescope be adequate to see the rings? Absolutely, depending on the size, but it doesn't take a very big uh, telescope to see uh, the rings of Saturn. In fact, you could, you probably could see them with a fairly good size pair of binoculars. Um, but so when when we talk about um, telescopes, when I talk about telescopes to my class, um, we, we refer to the aperture of the telescope, which is uh, the um, diameter of the opening of the telescope in inches. So I, the one that I use is an 8-inch telescope. So it's 8 inches uh, across the opening 
of the telescope that lets the the light in. Probably all you would need is about a three-inch telescope to see the rings of Saturn. Uh, Galileo even saw the uh, rings of Saturn. He was one of the first to see the rings of Saturn, although he did not realize that that's what they were, rings, with with his small uh, telescopes and the the optics of the time, which are nowhere near uh, what modern-day optics can produce. So yeah, it doesn't take much to see the, the rings of Saturn. And then my second question, we're going to revisit something I asked you last year. So your, can I use the word mentor? Sure. Dr. Gordon Gilbert, sure. uh, the late Dr. Gordon Gilbert from Colorado Mesa University. Years ago, I took one of his physics classes and he discussed total solar eclipses. Now he had gone to see one and I can't remember where he said he went. And the quote from him, I remember this very well, is when the eclipse was mm-hmm. in effect, quote, I heard angels sing. What do you think he meant, and what, is, what does that refer to? Um, you know, at, at the time, uh, you, you kind of caught me off guard a little bit with that, uh, and my, my answer was, duh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, and that, you know, uh, the reason uh, I, I don't know and what I would have said what I probably should have said is, my goodness, what a long, distinguished career that man had, a graduate of MIT under the the tutelage of no less than Nobel Prize winner Steven Weinberg, uh, who predicted, among other things, the existence of the W and Z bosons, subatomic particles, uh, the existence of which has since been confirmed by numerous uh, particle accelerator experiments. So graduate of MIT, he was a staff astronomer at uh, Kitt Peak Observatory in Arizona for many years, worked on the Voyager project, worked on the Hubble Space Telescope, although he was always sure to tell people that he did not work on the optics part, the part that got screwed up. I, I, I kind of, uh, that was always funny to me. Yes, I worked on the Hubble Telescope, but I did not work on that part that got messed up. So, uh, that's why I, I didn't know what you were, you were talking about because my goodness, it could have been any one of a number of things and, and, how uh, wonderful it was, uh, how lucky I was to be one of his students. But then I was lucky to have all of the professors that I had when I went to Mesa State, CMU. Any one of them could have taught and, and did teach pretty much wherever they wanted to, but they chose at that particular point in their careers to teach at CMU because they wanted that small class size and they wanted uh, the one-on-one interaction uh, with with the students, so I'm I'm glad you you cleared that up for me that that was when he uh, witnessed a a total solar eclipse. Um, like I I said last time, uh, the 
total solar eclipse that I viewed in 2017 was the closest thing that I have come to a uh, sort of a, a religious experience because you you realize just how infrequently uh, it happens and just such a, a special event. So then would you recommend when April 8th rolls around, if it's within someone's power to do so, set a course for one of the areas you mentioned? Absolutely. Uh, you better start uh, thinking about it now. I would imagine that a lot of the, the hotels in those areas are probably already booked. I was lucky for this last uh, annular eclipse in October, uh, my buddy has a, a motorhome, and we were able to find a uh, RV park in Mancos, Colorado, uh, where we stayed, at, which was in the the path of annularity. And we're able to uh, travel uh, just a short distance into town to a, a park and set up the telescope and see it. But we had originally booked a space in, uh, I forget whether it was Shiprock or Cortez, and about two months or so before we were ready to head out, uh, the people called my buddy and said, oh, we overbooked. Uh, we're not going to be able to accommodate you. So fortunately, we were able to find the, the RV park in Mancos. But I, I would suggest if you want to go to one of these uh, places where the total eclipse will be, a vis uh, be visible in uh, April, that you start thinking about it now and make your reservations if you haven't already. Speaking with author Jeff Dersham, his book, Planets to Pulsars, A Citizen's Guide to the Universe. He's also teaching at, and can you remind me the new name of the facility? Uh, CMU Tech, I now, is is what uh, they're calling it. So formerly Western Colorado Community College. Right. CMU Tech. And we're talking about upcoming events, astronomy, Events in the skies above us for the year 2024. Speaking about, oh, we've discussed lunar eclipse, solar eclipse. What about comets? John? Nothing that I know of, but, you know, keep uh, watching the Internet. We're always discovering new comets, and one of them may turn out to be, you know, the best one that we've seen in a while. So keep your eyes on the Internet. Um, the sun has been incredibly active lately, so it's not very often that uh, an aurora borealis uh, gets this far south, but there's always the possibility. Uh, www.spaceweather.com is a good uh, resource to check on the activity uh, of the sun and how likely it might be that an aurora uh, will get this far south. I've only seen one uh, aurora that I know of for sure here in Grand Junction. It was many years ago. Uh, one of the members of the astronomy call, uh, club called me up one night and said, Hey, Jeff, have, have you gone out and looked 
in the northern sky? And I said, no. Well, well, go do it. And so I went out, and sure enough, it it was just a dull, kind of a dull red glow in the north that went up uh, probably about 15 or maybe 20 degrees above the horizon. Uh, but it was, it was still cool. But keep your eyes open. And then as far as scientific discoveries go, oh my goodness, what a, a wonderful, uh, exciting time that we live in, uh, particularly with the launch of the James Webb Space Telescope. Just about uh, every other week or so, I see some new discovery, some groundbreaking discovery that has been made by the James Webb uh, Space Telescope, one that caught my attention uh, just uh, probably about five or six months ago, was a a researcher or a group of researchers, I forget who it was, uh, claimed that certain uh, data uh, taken by the James Webb Space Telescope was consistent with what uh, he termed or they termed uh, a dark star. So uh, most stars, our sun included, uh, derive their energy. They shine uh, as the result of fusion of hydrogen, basically, into heavier elements, helium, lithium, so on, if they're heavy enough. But apparently somebody postulated the uh, the existence of these objects uh, called dark stars that derive at least a part of their energy from sort of an exotic interaction between dark matter particles. Uh, so that was interesting. One of the other discoveries that really caught my attention uh, lately, and this was not by James Webb, uh, it was announced by a, a group of radio astronomers from several different places, England, the United States, I think France, that uh, claimed based on the timing of the pulses from pulsars. So pulsars are basically dead stars. They're stars that have ended uh, their their life that emit beams of radio waves, and they're spinning. And if that beam of radio waves happens to uh, intersect with the orbit of the Earth, we can hear these intermittent pulses from them. They've been called the most accurate clocks in the universe. But uh, anyway, uh, evidently, uh, this group of researchers claimed that by studying uh, the the pulses from pulsars, that they had been able to detect evidence of the gravitational wave background of the universe. So we've known about the cosmic microwave background uh, since pretty much the early 1960s or maybe even a little bit before when uh, Penzias and Wilson uh, made their uh, discovery in uh, Holmdale, New Jersey, uh, working for AT&T Bell Labs. And we've been able to learn 
uh, quite a bit from uh, studies of the cosmic microwave background, but the cosmic microwave background doesn't come to us from the very earliest uh, times after the Big Bang because up until about 300,000 years after the Big Bang, the universe was just so hot that all you had were free-floating electrons and protons, they couldn't combine to form atoms, and so any electromagnetic radiation was automatically uh, absorbed by all these free-floating electrons and, and protons. Gravitational waves don't give a bleep about free-floating electrons or protons. In fact, we've probably got gravitational waves passing through us uh, as we sit here. So the exciting thing, uh, if they're right, if this group of researchers is right, the exciting thing about the discovery of the gravitational wave background is that it has the potential to tell us things about the very earliest moments after the Big Bang. We're speaking to Jeff Dersham, author of the book, Planets, the Pulsars, A Citizen's Guide to the Universe. He's an instructor. When it comes to events for 2024, any meteor showers? Uh, we'll still have the the normal periodic showers, the uh, Orionids, the Perseids, uh, the Geminids uh, that occur every year, and they're the result of the Earth in its orbit uh, passing through the trail of debris uh, left behind by various comets. That's why they occur uh, at about the same time uh, every year. You always want to kind of keep an eye on the Leonid shower, uh, which occurs in November. Normally, the Leonids are not too spectacular. Uh, about 10 to 12 meteors per hour is about what you can expect from the Leonids, but Every so often, we have a Leonid storm. The Earth passes through a particularly dense clump of material left behind by the comet that produces the Leonids. And the last one, I'm trying to think, I think it was either 2000 or 2001, and it was one of the best meteor showers that I had ever seen. So keep your eyes open for that. Uh, as always, you know, watch for the the space station going overhead, uh, you can go to www.thestation.nasa.gov, excuse me, and uh, probably type in your uh, city uh, or your latitude or whatever, and it will give you a list of times that the International Space Station uh, will be overhead from your uh, observation uh, point. It's the, the brightest thing, brighter than Venus, brighter than anything uh, else in the night sky, and it moves. Uh, you'll, you'll know it when you see it. Uh, I keep hearing things about uh, it's outlived its usefulness, and they're thinking about safely deorbiting it, bringing it down, so I don't know how that's going to work out. But that's, that's kind of a cool thing uh, to watch if 
you haven't ever seen the space station uh, go over, you might look for that. Again, I, I don't know, you know, how many people realize how lucky we have been. And so, so get out and observe while you can. And while all of this stuff uh, is, is going on, uh, we don't know, you know, how much longer uh, this will continue for uh, observers here in the United States. So, but yeah, 2024 is, is uh, looking to be a, a pretty darn good year for astronomical events. So if I wanted to pick up a copy of your book, Planets to Pulsars, A Citizen's Guide to the Universe, where could I find it? Uh, it's available on Amazon.com. I had one of my uh, most recent students tell me that she got a copy through Barnes & Noble uh, here in town. Used to be that the uh, museum downtown carried some. I don't know if they have any more left. I haven't uh, checked with them in a while. The uh, Monument uh, Visitors Center had a few for a while, but I imagine they're all gone by now. So I would say uh, probably Amazon.com is, is your best bet to get one. And if I wanted to take your course, can you give me those addresses again? Uh, yeah, sure. You can visit uh, the campus, the CMU Tech campus off of Blickman Avenue, uh, or you can call them at 255-2800, or you can go online to coloradomesa.edu backslash CEC and sign up online. So those are the three options. And are you still with the Astronomy Club? Um, I'm not a paid member. Uh, in fact, I haven't been to a meeting since the last time that they invited me to give a, a talk to them, which has been probably a little over a year now. But so far as I know, they're still going, uh, still meeting on the first Tuesday of each month at the uh, Mesa County uh, Library main branch, but make sure that you can go to uh, www.wcacastronomy, all one word, dot org, and I'm sure that you can find the information there. So as we roll into 2024, okay, it's going to be a busy year, a lot of things going on, political year and such, but please take a moment to stop, pause, and look up. There's some fascinating things going on around us. And please pick up a copy of his book. That's Jeff Dersham, his book, Planets to Pulsars, A Citizen's Guide to the Universe. I thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me again. Maybe, well, maybe we can make this a, a yearly thing. We will. And by the way, you can catch Jeff playing trombone with the Centennial Band here in town. So when you look at the stage, that's Jeff up there. I look forward to your next concert. I'll be checking out your book again very soon. And I thank you for joining us today. All right. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you.